yourself together as well as the utmost importance of praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you. It is Father's Day, like I said earlier. We thank you for being our Father, for loving us, for caring for us, for being there for us. Maybe when others weren't. And so, Lord, I pray that as earthly fathers, we look to you as a great example of how to be with our children, how to love them well like you have done with us. Pray for those if we have bad relationships with our Father that we can make amends. That it be an open door. And Lord, ultimately we come to you and we look to amend our sins. We repent of our sins and turn from our ways and turn to your ways. Thank you for today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. How many of us feel alone? of one of the largest hospitals in America cites loneliness as its major reason for overcrowded ERs. In fact, Parkland Hospital of Dallas, Texas made the startling discovery as they were looking for ways to unclog the system. They analyzed the data and they compiled a, a list of high utilizers. They were trying to figure out, they were trying to identify what was going on. They identified 80 individuals, 80 patients who went to four different emergency rooms 5,139 times in a 12-month period. It cost the system more than $14 million. Now, once they had identified the names of these repeat visitors, they commissioned a team to get together to find out and determine the reason why. And they found this. This was their conclusion. Loneliness. Loneliness was the reason why poverty, food shortage was a contributing factor, but the number one determinant of why these people went to the ER was a sense of isolation. And the ER offered them something. It provided attention, kindness, and care. Hence, the multiple return visits. They wanted to know that someone cared for them. He's a writer in the 1900s, said after years of seeking happiness, he articulated his gloomy assessment of life this way. The whole conviction of my life now rests upon the belief that loneliness, far from being a rare and curious phenomenon, peculiar to myself and to a few other solitary men, is the central and inevitable fact of human existence. And that morning, bright, shining morning with its promise of new beginnings would never come upon the earth as it did once again. So the issue here is from a biblical perspective, the loneliness Wolf is describing is the result of being separated from God. It's that simple. He's describing a world because he's separated from God. He doesn't want anything to do with God. He doesn't believe that God exists even in the early 1900s. In the early 1900s, Americans identified 95% as followers or believers of Jesus Christ. They would claim to be Christians. Today, in 2022, 43% of all Americans 
just about 150 million people identify as atheists. We have more drugs for loneliness and suffering than any other things in the world today. It may mask itself in other kind of areas in the medical field, but loneliness seems to be one of those things that people just can't get away from, even though we have thousands or hundreds of thousands of friends online. It's loneliness that's causing problems. His assessment is a penetrating and perpetuating issue, but it fails to acknowledge the open arms of Jesus Christ. Like all of us, we'll desperately need Jesus, but coming to that confession and submission is not what many of us do. Many of our friends and our families, our neighbors and our co-workers don't know Jesus. They know the church, and around here you might actually find people who have all the right answers. They don't follow Jesus. They follow what they want in church. And if you don't meet what they want in church, they're going to find another church that will meet that need. Number one issue for millennials in the world today is they want a church that is doing something for the community so they feel like they're being godly. Now, that's not bad in and of itself, but the reality is do they know Jesus or are they looking to get a notch on their belt? That's what you have to ask yourself because without the miraculous intervention of God, our default is to choose an imaginary self sufficiency over dependency on God. Say it again. Our default is to choose an imaginary self sufficiency over dependency on God. Psychiatrist Paul D. Meyer writes this I've had millionaires, multi millionaire businessmen come to my office and tell me they have big houses, yachts, condominiums, nice children, a beautiful mistress, an unsuspecting wife, a secure corporate position, and suicidal tendencies. sad about that statement is he just blows over the fact that he's got beautiful mistresses and unsuspecting wives. Multi-millionaire businessmen, that's what they have. But the biggest thing they have right now is suicidal tendencies because they're alone. They have everything in the world that has to offer except one thing. Inner peace and joy because of Jesus Christ. He said that they come to his office as a last resort, begging him to help them conquer their urge to kill themselves because they are alone. There's no more faithful people in their lives. It's funny. They expect people in their lives to be faithful, yet they've got mistresses. You're going to find in the world today, people expect you to be a perfect, wonderful, being Christian, never making any faults, but they don't hold themselves to that same standard. They hold you to that standard and me to that standard, yet they're not willing to hold themselves to that standard. I find it amusing. I find it interesting how hypocritical that really is. It's hypocrisy, and it's running rampant in our world today, and it's destroying the church. It has been since the beginning, but today we're going to see David... We're going to see that he knew who to put his trust in and his hope in, because that's the title of this. Our only help, our only hope comes from the Lord. There is no other place. It only comes from God. It only comes from our true 
Father in heaven. Happy Father's Day. Because I want to point you to the only person who can help you in this world today, and that's God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And when I do counseling for people, that's what I'll do, is I always push you to God. Because I'm going to fail you. Psychiatrists are definitely going to fail you. Different people are going to fail you. Your friends are going to fail you. Your family's going to fail you. The only one who doesn't fail you in times of trouble is the Lord himself. That's the only way we can get through this life in loneliness, is how many of us are going to live forever. Every single one of you are going to live forever. But what place are you going to be in? Are you going to be in a place where you're standing next to God and worshiping him, which we would call heaven? Or are you going to be eternally separated from God, which we would call hell? That's the real question. So you have to ask yourself today, what am I hoping in? In the end, where am I putting my trust? Because that's what this is all about. David is talking about this. In fact, Psalm 12, our help comes from the Lord. That's where it comes. It says this, verse 1, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. save really means help. It means help me. David and many of us today are in this predicament. Wouldn't you agree? We're looking for help. What predicament am I talking about? David is seeing the leaders of his country turning away from God. 1 Samuel 22, 17-19 is where Saul is mad at the priests of God. You know what he does to the priests of the Lord? He kills them all. Saul wipes out 80 priests of the Lord. Because he's mad at them because they knew exactly where David was, and they didn't tell him because he wanted to kill David. So the leader of the nation of Israel that was created by God, God's people, said, forget God, I want David, I need to kill him because he's going to take my crown. He's going to take my wealth. He's going to take my everything I worked for, even though I didn't earn this job, and I'm going to kill him. And if you don't tell me where he's at, I'm going to kill you all. In fact, this first leader of his army said, I'm not doing that. And the second one went in and said, sure, no problem, and he wiped them all out. And so David is sitting here going, there are no more godly people in this world. The faithful men have been gone. They've vanished from this earth. And so he's struggling. The leader of Israel killed the religious leaders because they didn't tell him where David was, and they knew. That's why David wrote this psalm. He saw wickedness, loneliness, and he needed help. The godly ones are gone. The faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Think of that statement. Just rest on that for a moment. Are we there in this world today? gone from among the children of men? How many of us really can rely upon each other? It's a tough question to ask. How many of us are truly faithful to each other, to the church? Or are we faithful to our own wants, our own needs? 
Because I know for sure we can come up with excuse after excuse after excuse to not be together with each other. But I'll tell you right now, when we're alone, that's when the wolf goes and picks you off. That's when they go out there and they look for the lone sheep. The ones that are together, that are huddled together, they don't want to mess with them. They're not as easy to grab. It's the lone wolf who's figured out ways to not hang out with the other sheep, to go off and do his own thing, that gets picked off, that gets eaten. So let me ask, because last week I said it, where are we running to and what are we running from? Are we running from our lives because life is difficult? Life is hard? Many of us run to drugs. sexual addictions? What are we running from? Where are we running to? Are we running to each other in the church and finding help from the Lord? And figuring out excuses not to be together. It's a hard statement. Faithfulness in Hebrew is amon, and it means confirmed one, supported one, reliable one. someone who you and I can trust in. And you and I know that person and that person will support us. When we run from God and take God out of our lives, something completely tragic happens. And I'm scared that many of us don't realize it. Because our world today is taking God out of everything. The world today doesn't want God to be involved in anything. So here's what's scaring me. Let me share with you my concern that I'm seeing. Like David, Moses tells this to the nation of Israel. He says this in Deuteronomy. You've forgotten the rock your father hid. Your father's dead. You've forgotten the rock your father hid. That you put out of your mind that God who gave you birth. But the Lord took note and despised them because his sons and daughters enraged him. He said, I will reject them. I will see what will happen to them, for they have a perverse generation, children who show no loyalty. They've made me jealous with false gods, enraging me with their worthless gods, so I'll make them jealous with a people they do not recognize, with a nation slow to learn. I will enrage them. Verse 22, For a fire has been kindled by my anger, but it burns to the lowest the Shaul. It consumes the earth, and it produces and ignites the foundations of the mountains. You remember what I talked about last week with the mountains? Who do we run to? The mountains? David was told to run to the mountains to find safety. Or do we run to the actual creator of the mountains? Because he actually says, I'm going to destroy the foundations of the mountains. Verse 23, I will increase their disasters. I will use up my arrows on them. They will be starved by famine eaten by plagues and bitterly stung. I will send the teeth of wild animals amongst them, along with the poisons of creatures that crawl along the dust. The sword will make people childless outside, and terror will do so on the inside. They will destroy both the young men and the virgin, the infant and the gray-haired man. Christianity and in our world today in America, where we are actually trying.
trying to kill people, living, breathing human beings, because they want to get rid of legalized abortion? Really? You want to murder somebody because they want to take away your right to murder a child? Does that make any sense or is that hypocritical? How many of us are seeing this happening and finding this true today? How many of us in this nation have turned away from the Lord? How many of us are running to the government for our money, for our sports, for our entertainment, to find release from stress? from stress, but we don't actually run to God, who is the least stressful person in our lives. See, we've made him stressful by saying, you have to be this way. You've got to do all these things. And we've added on this thumb of religion that causes us to run from God. See, last week I hated the idea of running. I showed you that horror movie. First time you've ever seen a horror movie in church all those people running. And I still haven't found anyone running yet that have smiled when they were running. Maybe Becky. Becky might have smiled. Maybe Donna. Maybe you guys are smiling, holding each other's hands and running. I don't know. I just see 10K and I go, <laughs> nope. Lester's at the end of the rainbow and they're done with running. I ain't running for 10K. stress release, because our world is making an attempt to sweep what is only agreeable at the expense of truth. Our world is making the attempt to sweep what is agreeable at the expense of what is true. Charles Spurgeon said that in the 1800s, and it's even more prevalent today. then you need to know that David is doing the right thing right now. And you and I need to ask the Lord for help. He's saying, save me, O Lord. Help me, O Lord. That's the opening of this. Help me, O Lord, for the ungodly one is gone. The faithful ones have vanished from among the children of men. What can we do? He's running from his leaders because they want to kill him. Joseph Irons in 1840 said this about a faithful one. A faithful man must be, first of all, faithful to himself. Then he must be faithful to God. Then he must be faithful to others, particularly the church of God. And this, as it regards ministers, is of a peculiar importance. Peculiar meaning unusual need of importance. We need each other. You and I need to be faithful with each other to ourselves and to God. That's going to answer our problems. Because if we continue to keep turning to anything other than the Lord Himself, guess what? We're going to be found wanting. I truly believe the problem for most Americans is they don't need God. One of the friends of mine on Facebook 
asked a great question yesterday. I saw her post. I've really been off Facebook lately, but I went on there for some reason, checked something out. I think it was the outdoor market stuff that my wife has been trying to push on all these different places. And she said, very interesting to me, all the high gas prices are out there, yet I see tons of cars on the road. Why is that?
Because all you're doing is thinking, oh, check mark, I made it. Ain't that weak? Look how good I am. Because the reality is, I asked one of my sons the other day, how are you doing reading the Word? You know, I haven't been in that very often. I said, well, what are you doing to feed yourself? Well, I listen to you on Sunday. You ain't going to cut it when you get older, bud. You're going to have to start reading your Word every single day because you're not going to make it through this life. It's too hard, especially if you get married. Things are going to pull you away from God, and the only thing that can draw you to God is yourself and that will and want to know the Creator of the world. I didn't have that early on. Now I have it. Every day I want to read the Word. And there are some days I don't want to do anything but read the Word because I want to know God more. I don't know the Bible well enough. (laughs) It might be a shocker for you. I don't know the Bible well enough. I heard a story the other day, and I was like, oh, where's that at?
And we're not arrogant. We're just preaching the message that Jesus preached. See, the message hasn't changed since he came and walked on this earth. And like Tom said earlier, like I say often, this is evidence-based faith. It's not blind faith. We have enough evidence to prove that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and did what he said he did. We can go all the way back in time of history and point to truth and be able to point out the fact that Jesus said the things he said. And what did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, you arrogant Christians, we Muslims, we millions and billions of Muslims, no, we're going to make it. No, you're not. According to Jesus Christ, you aren't going to make it. Sorry. You have to repent of your ways, turn from your ways, and turn to Jesus. Oh, I can't believe you'd say that, Pastor. That's so unloving. No, it's not unloving. It's 100% loving. Because guess what? When you see a child going into the road after a ball, what do you do? Oh, don't worry about it. They'll get it. It'll be fine. Well, you scream and yell at them, don't go into the street to get the ball, because you can see the car coming down the road, and they're going to get hit and die. They're running into danger. And so it's not unloving to tell someone the truth. Now, the truth might hurt, and how we say it using language is important, but the reality is you need to preach the truth. The biggest issue facing Christians today is that we say one thing and then we do another. We don't stand up for truth. We say we follow Jesus, and then we go to church, or we go to lunch after church, and we treat the waitress like garbage. She's just doing her job. And you know what we do? She didn't bring our drinks fast enough. We're not going to give her a tip. Kidding me? This is how she lives her life. This is how she makes her living. And you're not going to give her a tip? I just went out to lunch with my two oldest. And they were looking at the bill, and they said, well, how much are you going to tip? And I, I, I gave it to them. I said, how much would you guys tip? I said, remember, take the decimal, move it over one. That's 10%. And then times that by two. I always do a minimum of 20%. If they do a good job, I'll even give them 50%. Becca goes, ah, remember you gave that one waitress 50%. I said, she was wonderful. She came in. She gave me my pop right away. And then I wasn't even done drinking that. She had another one right there for me. I was like, wow, that's great. She's really being attentive to us. We need to take care of her. So I gave her a 50% tip. But Christians... Go online. There's a meme right now. Oh, great. Church is out. Can't wait to go to my job to be treated like crap. That's what people are saying about Christians. We say one thing and we do another. We say we follow Jesus. Then we hate people who disagree with us. It's it's unbelievable how often we can hate others who don't agree with us. Especially in a time called the political side of the aisle. I think to myself, why do you hate them? Why aren't you praying for them? Why aren't you loving them well? Why aren't you sharing the truth with them? Well, they won't listen to the truth. Okay, we can figure out every excuse in the book to not pray for those people. Or we can love them well in the midst of their struggle of understanding who God is. Because they're running to their government to find when we try to love others well, 
is that we stay in our Christian bubbles and we never venture out so we can be safe from the world. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can never reach the lost if you're always hanging out with the saved. The world needs to know Jesus. The world needs to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The world needs to know that you are different and I am different because we follow Christ loves us even in the midst of our suffering and our pain and our trials. And even when we're imperfect, He cares for us. And we have to learn to communicate with people who are lost and learn to share the good news with them because they don't have to be alone anymore. There is a helper out there. Like I said last week, celebrities come and go. I never forget the fact that when Trader Joe's, George Clooney I said, did he ask about me? No, why would he? That's my point. He doesn't care about you. Yet the creator of the world says, I'm mindful of you. Do you know that, church? Are you aware of that? Because the world's watching. And they're waiting. And they're looking to see what comes from Christians. Are we doing in the word, in deed, what God is asking? they don't affect us? Because verse 5 is really what happens and hits home for the wicked people and what they do to Christians. Here it is. Here's the ending. Verse 5. Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl, as villainous is vileness is exalted among the children of men. This is what the world is, guys. But the words of the Lord are forever. The words of the Lord are pure, like silver refined in a furnace. They have value. They mean something because even when the poor are plundered and they need and the needy are groaning, the Lord hears them. In fact, let me give you a little example of how the needy are poor or the needy and poor are plundered today. Here's a real world example. As a government, I'm going to pass a bill that pays you all money. You're going to get money. But then I'm not going to tell you about the fact that when you start to put money into an economy, that causes your dollar to go not as strong anymore, so inflation starts to cost you. And in the end, because your money is not as valuable as it is, because there's more of it in the system, you start to either pay higher prices for your food, gas, or entertainment, or, this is where your politicians lie to your face, have to raise taxes in order to get inflation lower. No one wants to run on that bill, do they? Let me give you a basic understanding of inflation. Inflation is a measure of the rate of rising prices of goods and services in an economy. Inflation occurs when prices rise due to the increase in product costs, like materials or wages. So, if I go to McDonald's, and McDonald's is paying their employees 16 bucks an hour to flip a burger, it's going to cost you more for a burger. 
because they have to make their money to pay their employees. So when you increase your wages for your employees, it's going to cost the consumer more money. Now, if you continue to keep doing that, you give everyone what's called a livable wage. That livable wage ain't going to be livable anymore. I remember growing up, getting $3.25 an hour. That was minimum wage. My grandpa's like, I remember getting 17 cents an hour. He always used to one up with me. I remember when gas was 17 cents. I said, I remember when gas was 77 cents. The greatest Christmas movie ever. show, they show the big fat cop and he looks up at Nakatawi Towers and he looks and he's at a gas station 77 cents in LA I thought, whoa we all like to go back to LA now in the 1980s huh but that's what inflation offers that's what it does, the companies are going to have to charge the consumers more money for the products and services they offer so getting back to the why words matter when someone tells you something and then does the opposite guess what, they're called liars so what are we to do with the situation we find ourselves in in regards to the world we live in? Because if someone says one thing and then does another, guess what? God calls them liars. Here's what you can do. You can rely on the truth. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them generation forever, and every side the wicked prowl, and vileness is exalted among the children of men. There are two things that happen when we look to the Lord's words. Are you ready? These are your practical applications for today. Number one, you can find that it's infallible and certain. The word of the Lord is infallible and certain. Number two, you're going to find that it's absolutely pure. Let me quote Charles Spurgeon again here one more time. certainty of the word, as gold endures in the fire when the dross is consumed. Vain conceits comfort us, not in times of trouble, but the word of God. The more it's tried, the more you're going to find the excellency in it. The promise is tried as well as we are tried, but when it is so, you're going to find it to be the most on Sunday night service, Proverbs 35 says, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word of God is true. Every word of God is true. It's the truth. People don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear their truth. Oprah's on television talking about live your truth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because there is only one truth and it comes from so you need to rely on the truth of God. As pure gold suffers no loss by the fire, so the promises of God suffer no loss when they are tried, but stands to us in our greatest troubles. When we're alone, we can run to God. But I don't feel Him. Yes, you will. He lives inside of
Jesus and lives inside of you when you accept Christ, you can heal him. Number two, is that the exact perfection of the word. There is no dross in silver and gold has been refined over seven times, so there is no deficit in God's word. It's absolutely pure. You want to find comfort in your times of troubles? Don't run to your jobs. Men, fathers, your worth isn't in your job. Now, many of you think it is. Many of you want to find worth in your job, and I understand that. But the reality is your only worth is in the Lord. And so whatever you do, do your work heartily as in the Lord rather than in men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance. It's the Lord Christ who you serve in your job. I had to tell myself that 4 o'clock in the morning, almost every single day, working at Trader Joe's. It's Colossians 3, 23 and 24. So if you're struggling with your job right now, fathers, start to speak truth to yourself, and I guarantee you, your job becomes easier. Because God makes it easier because you stop relying on certain things in this world, and you start to rely on the things that are unseen. So when God says He will keep us and guard us from this generation forever and ever, know that it's infallible and certain, and that you can count on its purity because the words have been time-tested time and time again, and they have not been found wanting. We can trust in the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we can learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. share the message of Jesus Christ with others, because language is important. We need to share the truth. This psalm is a lament psalm because David was sorry that the world he lived in was not following God. Today I'm asking us to start following God because I don't feel like, and I haven't seen a ton of reliability, faithfulness in the world today. Many of us figure out excuses. Here's the reality is hurting. The only place I've ever found comfort was in the church and the church people because they were hurting too. And it's encouraging to me when you show up and you know you're hurting and your world is causing you pain and suffering and you come to church and you say, I want to be with someone who's going through the same issues. How can I help? That, that makes me know that I have someone I can rely on and I can care for. The faithful are not all gone. When I see you here, I know that the faithful are here and they're here for each other trying to build each other up. That's what church should really be. Not some argument over whether or not you have pews or chairs, whether we have the right kind of carpeting, whether we have the right kind of worship. The argument of a church should be, hey, are we supporting each other? Nope, I don't feel that way, so I'm going to leave. You didn't pass something I needed to pass and I wanted to have, so I'm going to leave. selfish. We become selfish. Christians, we need to and have to share the love of Christ. We don't always get what we want. Let me ask you fathers, do you get everything you ask for? (laughs) Steve's the only one. (laughs) He's the blue too? We need to rely on the truth other. I'm not going to guilt you into being here. I told you before. 
you don't want to come, don't come. But if you do want to come, how can I help you? How can we help each other make it through our tough lives? Because life isn't easy. Our kids are messed up. Our grandkids are messed up. Nothing seems to be going right. Our money doesn't seem to be going as far. What are we going to do for each other? How about we learn to love each other well, care for each other, share the truth of Christ and the love of Christ that we've all experienced and that others in this world need to experience. Because many of us don't get our ways, and there are few workers, God says, and so we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. So let's do that right now, because our only help comes from the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for us as a church. I pray for us that we would not turn from you and turn to you. That we would stop running from each other and start running to each other. Lord, I pray that this church would be a church that prays wholeheartedly, all the time, without ceasing for each other. I pray, Lord, that we're on our knees every day. I know many of us don't get to hang out with each other all the time, but Lord, there are friends here that have friendships that have been forever, for long periods of times, for many years. And I pray, Lord, that we can be together with each other. And I pray, Lord, that it doesn't just fall on one person or two people, or maybe even three people, but it falls on each other. I can't be there, Lord, for everybody. I wish I could. I wish you could multiply me and I could send me to each person's home and care and love for each person every day. But, Lord, we can't do that. And so I just pray we would love each other well. Because we haven't been doing that. Help us, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Many of us don't feel like we can do things in word and deed because of fear. But help us. Because our help comes from the Lord. Save us, like David said. The godly are gone, the faithful have vanished. I pray, Lord, that that's not true. I pray that as we are moving forward in this world, Moline, Door, Middleville, Grand Rapids proper, Kentwood, Byron Center, all these different places, would see that this is a church that's made up of faithful believers who love and trust because we know your word has been tried and found true and not found wanting. Our help comes from you. That's what David was looking for. We need to be doing the same. So I pray all